Welcome to Bridge from Nowhere. I'm Andy Klein. Jamie and Lou are out camping this weekend. We went back and to then. camp. <laughs> and then. Oh, camp. We were camping. Today's episode, we talked to a legendary figure in Juno music. Is this Steve Nelson? <laughs> Steve tells us what brought him to Alaska. Little fish start swimming up to me, and I had a bad sunburn, and I was peeling, and they started eating the skin oh. off my body. It was, you know, it was one of those experiences. And the horrible nature of when a virus runs through a resort. That's coming up on Pooh Corner. There were just two people just on their hands and knees <laughs> in the dirt, just like trying to get crawling. crawling. It's all ahead on this edition of Bridge from Nowhere. Done. Done. Test one, two, right? Am I right? Okay. I'm just right, looking at the go. levels. One, two, three, go. Okay, ready? Nelson of the Bridge from Nowhere house band. We're here talking to Steve. Steve, thanks for coming to your own house. I've been here all day. <laughs> thanks for having us. I, man. Let's just flip that and say thanks for coming to my house. Yeah, because yeah, you in my good. house, right? Thanks now. for buying the pizza. We appreciate yep. it. You're welcome. Lou and I are bringing pizza. Yeah, one of these days. You <laughs> one will of these days. Pizza. A lot of promises. That was nice. That uh, reminded me of like Wrigley Field, what you were playing, dun, by dun, the way. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you know, a yeah, old baseball stadium. That's one of those stadium. TV theme songs. Oh, I, yeah. I used to listen to a lot of production music records. Yeah, like we all did. Like, so there's records, and they're like the royalty-free production records? Yeah, you'd buy these. If you worked at a radio station or a TV station, you always needed production music to put on your commercials and stuff. So there were these whole vinyl record albums that would come out. You'd buy a set of them and, you know, depending on the mood you were going for or if you needed little stingers like that. I, you know what, I really wonder about that. It's kind of interesting that you say that because there's production music that's available now and it's usually pretty crappy, right? It's yes. some guy on a synth, you know? <laughs> And I'll bet, though, in the Dizzy, it was the house musicians, right? So it was the it was those amazing backup bands, and then at some point they just said, "Hey, we got a day to kill. We're just going to do production music." I wonder if that's how it happened. I would assume so because it's really professionally done. I mean, the guys are obviously good players. They're just playing cheesy stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but they're but they're really technically good. Why did you like it? Why did you listen to well, it? Well, I I mostly um, well I just I liked how they could just strike all these different moods, you know. Uh, just you do something in a minor key, it sounds kind of spooky, yeah. or I don't know. They they just were really good at you. You'd get an album and there'd be like ten whole different moods on it uh, of various lengths. But what I really gravitated to was the sound effects. Because I would build whole productions around. If you find a few good sound effects, that's right. that's your whole thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can you can work from there out. Yeah. And I'd write scripts. I'd write radio scripts around um, around a sound effect I found. So I just would sit there sometimes in the production room and listen to sound effects. Production room where? Was that up here or? Is uh, that... Yeah. Well, I I started out in Seattle. Um, 
I, I volunteered at this oldies station, which in those days played 50s music. <laughs> that meant real oldies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moldy it, it oldies. Was the 70s, and they were playing 50s music. So it was really. That's what know, my dad would listen then. to. When I, that's, it was a, that was a formative thing in the 70s driving around. My dad always had the oldies station on. So I knew, you know, the Big Bopper and all that great yeah. old stuff, the doo wop and all that stuff. He loved that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask. Yes, sir. Um, you are one of the more talented musicians that I know. And uh, are you up for doing some live studio production music right now? Like, if I name an emotion, you want to bang something out? <laughs> Let's do it. Well, you know, I'll, I'll try. But you I'm do your not best, a, right? I'm not very good idea, at it. I'm, right? I'm not like those guys I was talking about. It's not really my thing. Are, but but so if, could... I, if I were to look at, look at you and go, hungry, what would you bang out? Hungry? Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. I guess that's a hard hungry. one to start that's with. That's just why, and of I, course I, you are the one. I'm projecting like, my I'm, own feeling right now. This is something right that now. obsesses me at all times. This is easier. <laughs> Andy, just relax. Okay. This okay. is the him, easiest thing you could have said. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Hungry. Here we go. You get yes, the idea. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that from? Name it. That's Jaws. That's right. Color purple. No. Color Jaws. purple. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's a genius. That's every time she's coming into frame. Every time <laughs> Oprah appears. Really <laughs> bad rendition of the Oprah Jaws theme. <laughs> Some of Spielberg's best work. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but how about uh, uh, like angry? I don't I want to put you on the I think, spot. I got I think, all right, man. I, how yeah. about, what, what sort of what you said? How about spooky? You got a Hammond B three. How about spooky? How about the murder scene? The quintessential murder scene. <laughs> Something has happened. It's this, that moment the audience is grabbed. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> How about... We're walking in the park. It's a happy springtime day. After the murder. After the murder happened. <laughs> then suddenly. Oh, and then, then suddenly. Then they, turned, <sighs> they walked out of the park. <laughs> Something came out of the woods at them. Some kind of shaved ape. <laughs> oh. That shaved ape. Thank anyway, you. Thank you for indulging me. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. You can edit that out, right? No, yeah. Right. Lou, are you going to join us? Cutting room floor. Lou's stuck in I'm audio. I'm knob twiddling because I don't know yeah. what the hell I'm doing. Well, that's all right. I think it's probably good, good, good as it's going to be, man. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening. It is Jamie, Andy, Steve Nelson, and me, Lou. Making Steve dance like a monkey on a keyboard. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. Yes, sir. So you were, I was going to get back to you, were, said you were doing radio production up here in Juneau in the 70s? Well, yeah. Or you were in so Seattle first? I was in Seattle. I went to the Ron Bailey. The, how did I get here? Yeah. That's the big how did question. you get how to did Juneau? I origin stories. In Juneau, Alaska. So we have to rewind to uh, 1974. 1974. Thank you. And it was the Ron Bailey School of Broadcast. But even before that, I was working for the telephone company. I was the first mail operator in the Seattle area. 
Whoa. And uh, Among a I heard sea of females. Yes. Breaking yes. down some barriers work, there, man. Work was a fun place to go. Well, they had just computerized. <laughs> In those days, uh, the, the, the uh, telephone system was not deregulated, so... Bell Telephone owned every single telephone in America. Ma Bell. They owned the unit. They owned the system. Everything from your handset all the way to the handset of the person you were talking to. So you had to go through them. And so um, uh, they, I saw an ad in the paper. They were hiring operators. I said, oh, that sounds interesting. And I, I went down there, and they had just computerized everything. And so, you know, the old operator consoles where you're plugging in the wires, those had just been moved out, and, and now they had these shiny new units that once you plug your headset into it, it continually throws calls at you, one right after the other. Boom, boom, boom. You're like a prisoner on this thing. So um, I, I, there were certain kinds of, kinds of calls like time and charges. People would say, I want time and charges, operator, for this call, and you'd actually get a little break because you had to sit there and babysit their call while they were on it and then call them right after and tell them how much it cost because long distance calls cost a lot right. then ninety dollars every, every yes. minute was a thing yeah right so i got sick of that whole scene and and decided uh, my friend marvin sneed had this volkswagen van and he said you know i'm going to drive down to san francisco you want to go with me and i i was really hating life at the phone company what so year was this this was 1970 Three. And so I jumped, I took all my money out of the bank and jumped in the van with him. And we went off on this wild adventure down the California coast for a month. And we were outside of San Francisco uh, looking for a place to camp. And um, it was high fire danger that summer. So there, all the campgrounds were closed because they didn't want burning and starting wildfires. So we see, I, I see this little teepee on the map which denoted campgrounds right. and i said marvin look we're, we're close it's just like 10 miles over this way so we drive over there and we get off on this dirt road and it's we're not seeing a campground and then we see this little shack up ahead with a with a buddhist bell one of those bells that has a log right, that you yeah. that you you know swing into it so we swing the little log into it and and it Resonance, gives off this beautiful yeah. resonant tone and then this guy comes walking out from the back he's got long hair and a beard and no shirt on and <laughs> we go hey hey uh, is there a campground around here and he goes oh yeah man Tassajara hot springs it's like 20 miles down this dirt road so you can go down there and camp and and everything and it's a buddhist monastery and we went oh okay so we drive down there and you got to we had to keep the van in first gear the whole way because it was up and down these mountains we get down there and indeed it is a real buddhist monastery but they let you stay there so they had a hot springs and uh the the following day after we got up um you know, we noticed all these people from san francisco were down there and this is you know sure still the height of the hippie era yep. And all these, all these people are walking around essentially naked or very scantily clad, which was kind of a yin-yang thing. You know, you had this Buddhist monastery and then all these naked people cohabitating yeah. down there. So I go into the... We're into, not in Seattle anymore. No, right? we are not. Yeah. No, it's in Seattle. This is pre-grunge. I mean, yeah. Seattle is like the end of the world. This was... San right. Francisco was happening in those days. That's where the epicenter of the, of the culture wars was at that time. So 
<clears throat> anyway, I go in. They had like they had this river uh, going going through the compound, and it was very shallow right there. But everything was green, um, you know, lots of lots of vegetation because you're essentially out in the middle of a desert. So this was an oasis right here. And so the, this hot springs was coming up, and they had built this this uh, building over the top of it. So I went in, steamed a little while, and then what you do is you go out and you lay in the river next to these rocks. Or they, they have them strategically placed so you can just put your head on a rock and lay there. And it's, I'm laying there, it's sunny, and all of a sudden, little fish start swimming up to me. And I had a bad sunburn and I was peeling, and they started eating the skin Ugh. off my body. It was, you know, it was one of those experiences where you just go, I'm one with nature here, yeah. man. I mean, I, this yeah. is this is unbelievable. I'm back I can't. To nature. I, I'm, I'm laying in a stream, fishery. It's sunny. I'm in a monastery. There's naked people everywhere. Right. What's going on? The, right. It beats a hell out of the phone company. That's <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And it was then, at that moment, that I had this epiphany on the lowest possible spiritual plane. I, I was thinking about my life. Okay, so I just quit the phone company. I don't want to do that. What do I want to do? I'm a young man. I'm 19 years old. What is my direction in life? And so I took stock of the things I enjoyed doing. And I thought to myself, the only thing I could think of was, well, I like to listen to music. And so I thought, I'll be a DJ. And so I get out of the river and I go, Marvin, we got to go back to Seattle right now. I'm going to I'm going to enroll at the Ron Bailey School of Broadcast and I'm going to learn how to be a radio DJ and we punched it all the way back to Seattle. Got there, as I told much my as you parents. Can punch a VW van. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. we're going probably 40, <laughs> maybe 45 sometimes. Up highway 1. So it was it wasn't like I5. You walked in, you sold you had you told your folks, right? I told my folks, I said I'm I I'm I figured out what I want to do. You know, my trip to California paid dividends here. And so they said, okay, well, we'll pay for you to go to Ron Bailey School of Broadcast. So real DJs in the Seattle area were our teachers. And um, we learned how to read uh, news and commercial copy and produce, produce uh, uh, radio commercials in the studio and speak from the diaphragm. Yes. It was all about diaphragmatic breathing. And so at the end, now, the Ron Bailey School of Broadcast went out of business because Ron Bailey and his whole family absconded with student <laughs> loan money and got busted by the feds. And all of them, including their daughter, went to jail. And oh the my school God. is now a church. I went, last time I was in Seattle, it's long gone, man. But, but Ron taught me well. He had a good idea. He was just crooked. He just was a snake. Well, I think almost any university that's named after a person, that ends up happening, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Like any, the Larry Johnson School of Sales. Well, or, a person's first and last name. Yeah. If it's a first and last name school. Yeah. Funny. So if you got out of the Ron Bailey School of Broadcasting, was there a job waiting for you? Well, here's how it worked. So once you got to a certain point in your studies, you would go up to the, the fake studios that they had, the little production studios, and you'd make yourself a tape. And it would be you doing a, a pretend radio show. And so you'd be reading the weather and introducing, you know, front announcing and back announcing records. And you'd produce a couple of commercials and you'd, you know, work them in. So it's like a real show, only without the music, really. It's a resume. Five seconds. A resume tape. That was yeah. a resume tape. And yeah. then we'd take it down to Ron and 
He'd sit there. Oh, Ron was there. Ron was a real guy. Ron was there. Oh, yeah. Was Hands there. on. On site. He wanted uh, to know who was bringing the money in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. So you'd play it for him, and he'd go, hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm, I think you're ready enough to work uh, Montana. And he'd give you a bunch of radio stations in Montana. Now, Ron Bailey filled a great need in radio station uh, personnel hiring in those days because in small markets and that, that's how radio works you start out in a small market and then a little bigger a little bigger and you you know you're all these guys not mine but most of my peers their goal was the big market la san francisco portland seattle you know all those places but it took years to get there so ron had it pretty well figured out like he knows all these small market stations need people who can read and produce commercials and you know read the news and everything and do, do all the things that a little radio station needs one person to do that you're not paying very much to. Oh, and the other thing, the, the big ticket item, which was actually the ticket to get a job, was your first class FCC license. If you had a first class, there was first, second, and third. A lot of people, third, you just wrote in, basically, and they'd send you a third. But if you had a first, uh, that meant you could be left alone all night and take your own transmitter readings for the station. And that was like gold to these small stations because they didn't want to pay an engineer to be there, too. They just wanted to pay one person. So if you had a first phone you were and could read... Right. And sound decent on the air and, you know, weren't a jerk. You could you could work in, in small market radio stations all over. People people in my class went to Washington, Eastern Washington, Idaho, Oregon, Northern California, and Alaska. Mm-hmm. So, um, finally, after about six tries, I got a decent enough uh, resume tape. And, and Ron said, you know, okay. I'm going to give you a list. You send it to these places with a cover letter. So I made all my copies. I sent them off nothing. So I went back to the drawing board, you know, tried to improve my skills. Second time around, a new batch, nothing. Third time around, one of them was Juneau, Alaska on the list, K-I-N-Y. And so I sent up this, you know, and I was getting depressed by that point. Like, am I never going to get a job? And so one day, it was a weekend, and my parents had left town for the weekend. Saturday, I'm out gapping the spark plugs in the driveway on my Volvo 122S. (laughs) And the phone rings in the house. So I go in there, and I pick it up, and I hear, Is this Steve Nelson? (laughs) And I said, It was Uncle. Yes. This voice says, This is Paul Ryder. K-I-N-Y. I mean, and that, yeah. that Y was like down, down from there. the yeah. lower yeah. reaches of his body. The lower diaphragm. He knew how to speak from the <laughs> diaphragm, Paul Ryder. He said, you know, he basically tells me, we've got, got your tape. we got a job up here. Um, now, I, I have to tell you, he says, the last guy lasted one day. Do you still want to come? I said, yes. This is my third time around, man. If I if I don't get hired pretty soon, I'm I'm gonna go, you know, flip burgers or something. So I come to Alaska. And Did they pay your way up? Yes. Uh-huh. They bought me a ticket and said we will find you a place to live. And I lived my first place that I lived was the Bergman. Oh wow. Which is now 
kind of a crack house, I guess. It's kind of the you know, They're trying to bring it back. Yeah. It's like but, condemned, but I think. It, then it was like one of those first places you'd, you'd hit when you got to town because there was no, no housing here. It was really hard to find an apartment. So they scored me a little, it was a room with a bathroom down the hall. And when Kelly Perez took me up there, he, <laughs> Fat Ed, who ran the place, opens the door, and the room is barely wider than the door. There's like six inches on either side of the door. And it's kind of this long, I said, is this a closet or what is this? <laughs> no, nope, this is your room. And there's a bed squished in there. And that was, you know, I was so happy. I was 20 wow. years old and, and uh, you know, off on a big adventure. Had and, you had any, like, notions of Alaska before that? Or does that just literally like the gig? I, no. You had never had any idea about Alaska or thought about Alaska or any of that? <clears throat> never. I didn't even know where it was. I had to look on a map after that phone call from Paul Ryder. So it was, it was really a leap of faith. But, you know, when you're 20, those, are, those leaps are pretty easy to make. It's a big... Easier when you're younger than when you get older and have yeah. responsibilities and stuff. It's a big leap. We're talking to Steve Nelson keys on our house band and we'll be right back with more from bridge from nowhere here on the alaska podcast network Next, we're going to give Lou a call when he's vacationing, and he has an unfortunate mishap with his pants. Bringing up Lou Logan here. Wish us luck. Maybe we are. We'll see. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Who's that? Are you looking for Lou? <laughs> Lou Logan. Hold, hold on. Hello? Well, oh, my God. Oh. You've been yes. Stirring. You've been doing your treatments, I can see. Oh, yes. Oh. Lou, how you doing, man? Where are you? I am on the big island in Hawaii in a, an area called Puna. <laughs> called what? Puna? Puna. 
Puna. Puna. How do you spell and that? We're near P-U-N-A. Where, so is that, so I've been to Kona and Hilo, so I kind of know those on the big island. Where is it? Is it in the kind of Waimea? Is it, where is it? So maybe 20 miles. South of Kona? Hilo. South of Hilo. So you're on the wet side. Oh, yeah. That's why they call it Puna. <laughs> that's well, well said. Well spoken. Yes. <laughs> I am near a town called uh, Pahawa, and I heard it was a hippie town, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, you did, it didn't, even that wasn't enough warning for you. No, no. We walked by something called a kava bar, which hell if I know what it is. But uh, they were just standing outside of it, wearing their loincloths and dreadlocks, just sitting on the sidewalk. It was, uh, it was like a zoo or something. <laughs> Look at that one. Yeah. So, Look, Mary, over there. Yeah, check people. that one out. What is that? <laughs> that, one, that one's yeah. throwing poo. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, speaking of this, though, I want a – I've been getting some updates, but I want a current sit rep on your pants situation. Oh, the, the zip-offs. What's going What's on? What's going on oh, with the, the pants? Oh, I brought some zip-offs, which are my last pair of zip-offs that I own, and I thought they'd be good for the trip here. You know, uh, they're convertible, shorts or pants, and uh, they instantly mark you as a howley. Uh, oh, cause because so native a- Hawaiians do not have zip-offs. Probably not. I don't think people native to anywhere have zip-offs. Right? True. <laughs> it's not zip a... You're <laughs> yeah. a Howley no matter where you yeah, go. Yeah, you're pretty much an outsider. Yeah. So I didn't realize that they had a giant, giant hole. Things meet. The seams split. So I went on the plane wearing these things. And I made sure to display the legs at every opportunity. That's good. you have an aisle seat? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Good. <laughs> oh, I won't need a blanket. Thank <laughs> Excellent. you. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> So um, I thought, I'm going to have to fix these. And then yesterday, uh, the button shot off, so <laughs> maybe I'll start hanging out at the kava bar. It might fit in more. I now. was going to say, that sounds like a loincloth for you. And maybe, just <laughs> maybe, you may be leaving those zip-offs in Hawaii. Maybe. Well, much to your disappointment, I bought a sewing kit. Oh, so I'm going to sew up the crock hole and uh, put the button back on and... Uh, that crotch is yeah, never going to feel the same. That crotch is never going to feel the same, though, Lou. It's going to be tight. There's going to be a seam. You remember what happened the last time you... Chafing, potential chafing. I remember the last time you tried to sew up a hole in your pants, right? While you were wearing them? Oh. Well, I had another... My nicer pair of zip-offs I did try to sew up, but unfortunately, I had this hole on the ass, on one of the ass cheeks from uh, Bob McKinnon's boat. I bent down and just ripped got caught on a piece of aluminum corner. <laughs> so I thought, I could fix that, and I sewed it up, and it ended up just looking like a parker butthole on the side of, on the butt cheek there. And I was about to take him on a work trip, and I, I looked at him in the mirror and thought, what the hell? I can't walk around with, a, with an exterior... Anus. Yeah. That, oh, we, we lost did you drop? Blue. Oh, man. The last thing I said to him was anus. I know. We may never see him again. That's it. I yeah. think we've lost Lou. Lou's gone. Should we try to dial him one more time? Sure. I can <laughs> hear you guys. Oh, oh hey, you're Lou, back. you're back. Oh, my God. I thought the last words I'd ever say to you was anus. 
which would have been so appropriate. No. And thank God <laughs> you're back. Did, uh, you it, could, it was you could a, put that on my uh, on my gravestone. <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> please just put the, that one word. My last words to him were anus. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you should have heard us trying to call you. Oh, my God. It was just a cluster. We'll play it later, and we'll play it for oh. the folks. But uh, well, it was bad. lost without you, Lou. <laughs> it, in, it involved multiple attempts to figure out how to dial you up. And then yeah. and then I think a pretty good size head wound from yeah. uh, Jamie against the microphone, which is inevitable. <laughs> yeah, we are lost without you. We're like sheep without a shepherd oh, up here, man. You're, you're like a bunch of shaved apes over there. Yeah, we are just wandering the hills. Just <laughs> <laughs> Just mash the button when you get confused. Mash, mash, smash, mash. smash. I mean, I think it took at least double figures attempts to call you. It's bad. Yeah. It's you know I I I kind of built this radio station. Yeah. I was going to say, Andy, you're. I'm just a. I'm just. I am actually. am just a shaved ape. Oh, it's very good. Oh, very right. good, Lou. Nice. You, you guys already dialed. I'm doing that. Is that your face? <laughs> no, that's you guys. That's yeah. your. I Andy, think that's, something. I think that's, one. that's the hole in your cargo shorts. Oh. That might be the phoner. The zip-offs. That's the whole phoner. It's a phoner. Oh, yeah. The other story to the zip-offs, they had a built-in fake boner, which I called the phoner. And I sent a picture of Jamie. Yes, you did. And, uh, now, what do you mean by what? What is? What do you mean by that? Um, it kind of like the pleats, the pleats, that kind of idea? Like it, it just... They're not pleated, but the way they bunch up when you sit down, it looks like there's a teepee. Absolutely. There. Yeah. Just showing Andy the photo you sent. There's part of that that's the TP, and there's part of that that's you. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, so uh, you might want to put that on the website. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Right? The banner of the Facebook page. View the glory of the founder. Yeah. So uh, you, enjoying, uh, you enjoying Hawaii? Yeah, yeah. Um, saw a chameleon yesterday. Cool. Uh, hanging out today, getting our our base set up here. We got a rental, vacation rental, and and near Pahoa, out. And uh, I think tomorrow we're going to hit some tide pools and go snorkeling. Nice. nice. Go rooting Very around good. on the beach for stuff. Yeah, rooting around in Puna. Nice. <laughs> you guys got to You guys. Dead. You guys renting a yurt. No, no, we got we got an actual name. We got walls here. <laughs> nice, thank you. That is not going to make the podcast. Well, let's see, yes, <laughs> the long arm of the editor comes down upon you. Well, hey, I can make those jokes. You guys just can't listen to it. But yeah, it's a, it's good here. Nice break from the. Uh, Ishy weather you guys are experiencing. Yeah, it's pretty bad here today. Actually. It's terrible. Oof. It's terrible. There's really nothing redeeming. The American flag that's blowing across the street looks really sad in yeah. the rain. It's just, oh, it's it's a it's yeah, it's just that you're you did it right, man. It's like wrapped around the pole. But it's not it's, raining where you are. It actually just started, but it's not like Juno rain. It's it's very fine. It's almost a mist. I don't like that side of the island. I I like the dry side, man. I want to I want to be over in Kona when I go there. I've been to Kona a few times. I've just never been to this side, and I wanted to see what it was like. I've been to Hilo once, but never into this area. So are you guys going to be in Hilo the whole time? Um, I think we'll be here for most of it, but we're going to explore a little bit. Sounds good. You guys going to go see the hot lava? Hot lava. What's that? Hot lava? Going to go see hot lava? I think so. I'm going to find some lava. We might rent some bikes and bike to it, and then uh, I'll find a stick and poke the lava with it. 
<laughs> can you do oh, that? Hey, can you do hey. that thing where you get a chunk of lava and stick pennies in it while it's still hot? Ooh. I remember Mr. Rogers Mr. Rogers did that, showed that one time. Oh, cool. I didn't it's know like that. show and tell Mr. Rogers. This is like nineteen seventy two. He had a rock and the rock had three pennies stuck in it. Wow. And it was a lava Whoa. rock that someone had gotten out, got it with like a stick or something, and then like stuck the pennies in while it was still hot. Wow. I don't know how they got their hands close enough to stuck the stick the pennies in, but they did that. And that was what he showed. So that well, was Mr. Rogers. I do have some I have some beer cans and stuff to throw away. Maybe I'll just do that. What? Just leave, put your garbage in the lava. Put, if you put your garbage <laughs> hey, in the lava. What did you do in Hawaii? I took a bunch of garbage and put it in the lava. You're welcome. Um, it's the latest yeah. thing everyone's doing. Everyone it. loves the garbage lava. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. That's the uh, garbage point there. Yeah. A bunch of idiots and morons decided to... Uh, yeah. Visit the garbage camp. flow. Well, Go Lou, see the garbage flow. We'll let you enjoy. We'll let you enjoy uh, Hilo and Hawaii. Thanks for talking to us. We miss you so much. Sorry that got Thank weird. You. Yeah, we Thank miss you, you so but much. I, I do. I do have a parting uh, little story for you involving the zip offs. So I'm back in the zip offs right now. Crotch hole open, button off, and uh, because my head's, I put on my normal non-holy shorts with button. And I instantly spilled a bunch of Thai iced tea on him. So. Oh, why were you drinking Thai iced tea? <laughs> wearing, why were you doing that, Lou? Wearing Zip-Offs with holes in them, and you drank Thai iced tea like a crazy person. I did, I did. Went to a farmer's market. They uh, mess with your mind over there. Make, <laughs> yes, make they you buy do. a bunch of fruit <laughs> that you'll never eat. <laughs> Avocados that you don't know what to do with. Oh, that looks good. That looks dumb. That looks amazing. Yes. I'm going to buy that star fruit and that long gan and that... Whatever the hell that spiny thing is, I'm going to eat that. <laughs> the spiny fruit that and, can curl itself up up into a ball as a self-defense mechanism? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Breadfruit looking thing, I'm going to buy it. It might taste like a bread loaf, and you open it up and just, ooh, it just goo. And that's what the Mutiny on the Bounty was all about, was breadfruit. Really? Yeah. Oh. Huh? Mutiny on the Bounty wouldn't have happened without breadfruit. It's like a dough. It's a weird thing, <laughs> but it's what they were, it's what Bly was having the crew harvests in Tahiti and the breadfruit takes so long to actually come to fruition and harvest that that's because that's why the crew went on to the islands of, Hui, uh, of Tahiti and then started having relationships with all these women. Oh, because it took so long. And then that's what created the mutineering spirit. That's happened to all of us at the store before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We got to wait six months for this breadfruit to ripen into a gluttonous goo. <laughs> Yes. I hope you guys like eating mucilage. Mm, oh, mucilage. You know me and mucilage. <laughs> one of Andy Klein's favorite words, along with loamy. Loamy. We'll get into that. Oh. I like how we have guests now who are not hearing Lou. <laughs> There's the guests in the studio now, and Lou. I think they, they're looking at us like, what and they don't is know. going on? Every now and then they just hear us saying things like loamy and, yeah. and breadfruit. <laughs> breadfruit. Yeah. Uh-oh. I, I, thought, I thought it was just you. I thought it was oh, no. safe. To just nope. It is it just out. us. It is just us. But then Sean and Sarah came in, too. Uh-oh. And they're hearing one side of a Lou conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and they're not, they don't want to put on the headphones. They're not interested. <laughs> oh. No. They don't want to dirty their ears. Yeah, no. <laughs> they, won't, they don't want to have nightmares. Lou, have fun in Hawaii, man. All right. Thanks, guys. All, All right, right. We'll see you when you get back. All right. Have some breadfruit. That's Sean our 4950 yeah. segment of Bridge from Nowhere. That's right. I'll come back with some real shorts. <laughs> Good idea, Lou. Thanks, Lou. All 
Do that. <laughs> Bye. Later, man. A recent close scrape with a virus reminds Jamie of when he was at his lowest. Bridge from Nowhere. I'm Andy. I'm Jamie. I'm Lou. And uh, we're uh, Jamie just got back from a trip, but before the trip, Lou, Jamie, and I were all part of a lovely uh, gathering, great a wedding, wedding yes. friends' wedding. But the but the horrible happened the, at the wedding. The green wedding, I believe, is what we're calling it now. <laughs> Which is a or a uh, serpenter wedding. Colin, you have died of dysentery. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's like it's definitely it's like playing Oregon Trail, basically. Um, or Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah, Ezekiel. he is down, and it is bad. Um, so yeah, the, the a virus swept through the uh, the entire reception. Uh, Lou and I avoided it. Mm-hmm. Heather and Allie avoided it too. Jen, my lovely wife, Jen avoided it. Avoided it, it but yeah. you did not. No, I sure did not. I hit it full on like an oncoming train. I think it had to do with the cheese party. I don't know. I actually here's my actual my actual real theory about it is it was about kids. Probably, yeah. Kids spread that virus. Yeah, and the kids are probably where it started. And Those kids little are, diseased well, urchins. Kids and old people. Yeah. Old people spread that virus. Young but, and old urchins. Yeah. But it, but the kids thing, that's that's that, that's the classic thing. They're playing around, they're all over, you know, they, they love playing with poop. They, <laughs> they, do. they you know, it's just where it starts. And then, so I just I often it's the, will... the fecal oral cycle is. is what it it's is. really based on. Yeah, it is. It is. And it makes you really realize how much of a dusting, a poop layer there is on everything. On everything. If you see <laughs> dust, it may not That's be dust. Poop. Yes. It's poop. And how much of it we all eat. I mean, when you get right down to it. Right, like how much do you touch a thing that somebody's touched and that has their poop on it, and then Ugh. you eat something, and then you've eaten their poop. <laughs> so what? I there's two things that happened at that party when I heard this virus was going around. One was I kind of made this decision: I'm not going to play with the kids. Oh, smart, probably. Because I was like, because normally you play with the kids, you dance with the kids, whatever. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I make that decision every day. <laughs> yeah, I did play with the kids a lot. You dance did. with the kids. Oh. Yeah. And then the other I thing I decided to do was I um, I washed my hands about twenty times during that party. I went in and was washing my hands. I washed time. my hands yeah. too. I washed I my ate. hands often, but I yeah. also kind of by the I time I think you might have already had it. Yeah, I kind of because I had been involved in like all of the events and everything that had gone on and helped with like setting up, and so I sort of figured like, well, I'm. Doomed. Like, and you I'm touched every it. single person's cupcake. I did. And then we kept pushing the cupcakes all night long. That was the funniest thing to me. Because the cupcakes were in one of those like plastic eggshell well, we things were, where you can't yeah. get them out without touching them. You just can't. 
And then you sort of smooth the little fingerprint on the frosting to make it look better. But yeah, I touched 60 cupcakes and then people ate them. But you have, this is, we think it's the Noro or Norwalk virus. Gastroenteritis. But you have an early, tell us if you would, the tale of your earlier experience. Your first experience. This is a true Alaskan tale. Oh, God. Amongst one of the most pristine and beautiful places on the face of the earth. Oh, and so. also where Jamie met his now wife. Yeah, where Jen and I first met, even. Romance. Um, so, yes, Denali National Park. Picture it. Many of you listeners probably imagine what it may look like. Bears, caribou. North Mount, America's largest mountain. Denali, the highest peak in North America. And then a bunch of just young people working in the lodge all crammed into this old communal housing. And this is sort of something that happens, I think, in a lot of places in Alaska. It's the way a lot of people know each other and get to Alaska. They work at different parks. Yeah. The Park Service has these great lodges. So it might be Glacier Bay where there's a lodge. My kid worked out at Glacier Bay one summer. Um, There's all kinds of lodges around and all these abilities for young people especially or just people who – um, maybe don't have very specific experience in something, but you know are capable and can do food service, or they can they get to these lodges and yeah, they get it's to a great these way great parks. Come to Alaska for the summer. I mean, all you got to do is get to Anchorage, and then I've they take care of you from there. People yeah. working at those lodges from the U.S. and from everywhere else. Yeah, tons. I met a lot of people from like Eastern Europe who could make enough money in the summer to pay for their school for the whole year. You know, young college kids yeah. from like Latvia and Poland and Hungary places. Really great people, really interesting. And they were going back to become chemical engineers or doctors. But in the meantime, they were serving ice cream or, you know, checking in, checking you in and out of your room or whatever. Yeah. So you're up there what year? 2000. Okay. My you're first 2000. time in Alaska. Yeah. It's middle of summer. Middle of summer. And what uh, did you get? Is there a warning? No. I had never heard of the norovirus before. Nobody told us anything about it when we were there. And it's a huge tourism virus because it is often carried by old people. And a lot of old people visit Alaska. And just, pe- and just people in contained people, spaces. Yeah, I mean, you take 3,000 people and cram them into a cruise ship. It's like a really good right. laboratory. And a lot of people even come to Denali are cruise ship people. They bus them up there. So, like, but I've worked in tourism here in Juneau. And it's, you're always on high alert for it. You work on a whale watching boat. You guide hikes. You're always aware of it, and they even warn you because the cruise ships are supposed to report how many people have Noro on every boat. And do they call that a certain type of ship? Code Red. (laughs) You'll get the call. You'll be like, all right, tomorrow you're leading a hike of 20. Don't you think it should be Code Brown? (laughs) That's what I think, too. I did make that point strongly. I said, if it's Code Red, I really want nothing to do with it, too. God, that sounds even worse. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, And there is a certain percentage where they won't let the boats into port. Even I think if it gets above five or seven percent, does that happen? Yeah, often. Yeah, every once in a while, you'll even see like the you know one of the boats just floating out in the channel, and the harbor won't let them in. And the poor people on there, are just oh, like God, it's just a nightmare. Oh. Yeah, uh, but anyway, if it's if it's at a certain percentage, you'll get the call like, all right, you got 130 people for your whale watch today. Code red. That's all they'll say. And then you're just, oh, God. We got a code red. And you just go to the little commissary and you get out all the bleach, all the Lysol. And you just get ready. And you wash your hands, like you said, and you just you try not to touch other people, but you can't really do that. And then as soon as everybody's gone, you just hose down the boat with bleach and Lysol before anybody else gets on. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, so Denali. So we're all there, and you're living in communal housing with shared bathrooms. Right. Um, 
And it's, it was kind of like college again, like these little crappy dorm rooms, three to a room, bunk beds, you know, um, and sort of like in the back of the lodge. So you're just kind of in this field and sort of dirt and some grass. And then there are these outbuildings maybe 50 yards away, maybe less than that. But anyway, like that's where there's bathrooms and showers and stuff. And so you're in a little dorm room and you walk over there to take your shower and go to work or whatever. And so all of a sudden, like we're all just working and you work together, you live together, you're all just together all the time. And all of a sudden – People started getting just really sick, just out of nowhere. You'd just be hanging out with somebody, and then four hours later, they're just they're just gone, they're and then you don't see them for. I remember it kind of as I remember it started because suddenly, like people that you worked with, like I worked in the restaurant, so you know you kind of work with the same people every day. Suddenly, they just weren't there. Like you didn't see them for about forty-eight hours, and there was. It's not like they left or anything. You're just, where's Marcus? And uh, he's not feeling well. Yeah. And then, you know, you don't really see Marcus. And then uh, so that started to happen like here and here. And nobody told us anything. And we thought it was maybe food poisoning because we all ate together too in the little like employee dining area. And then you suddenly like I remember walking to the outbuildings for the bathroom in the morning one day to take a shower at like four in the morning. And the sun's up all the time in Denali. So it's like midday anywhere else and uh there were just two people <laughs> just on their hands and knees <laughs> in the dirt just like trying to get crawling crawling to try to make it to 25 yards to the bathroom and they're clearly i mean they're not they're not you just are you all right and they're just they can barely speak and they're just pale and then they would just sort of lean over and throw up Ugh. and just blah, and then just sort of lay down on the, oh. on the ground. i mean it was awful <laughs> It was awful. And, and you, that was before you were sick, though, It was before right? I had it. And that was – there was no – like nowadays, I think maybe Norwalk and Noro is much more common or I don't know. Maybe there's – but like Known. no one told us anything. Yeah. No one told us a thing. No one told us, hey, you know, this is a Do virus this. and it's spread. Wash your hand. None yeah. of that. We were just like, what the hell is going on? And we really thought for a long time it was food. Has Dustin Hoffman been around Yeah. Here? It's like <laughs> zombie apocalypse. What is going on? We thought, did everybody eat something that I didn't eat or what? But then it was – then it just kept happening for like a week to 10 days. People just dropping like in ones and twos and you just wouldn't see them or they'd be crawling oh, or you'd walk into the bathroom and just the, the public stalls are just full of just horrible noises and people. Full in more than one way. Yeah, in every way. And, you know, it's whatever, 100 staff and nine bathrooms. It's not really equipped for this sort of thing. And then um, – and then I got it. and Because then, then at some point you also realize, like, I don't know what this is, but clearly I'm going to get it. <laughs> like, I'm just – there's You're nothing doomed. to be done. You're yeah, doomed. There were some guys who, like, never didn't leave their rooms. I remember a couple of guys. This one guy, Chad, was a cook, and he's like, I'm not – he went to work, and he, like, wore gloves the whole time, and then he went to his room, and he didn't go outside. He didn't eat with us. He didn't use the bathrooms. I mean, he, like – I mean, he must have gone in the woods or something, but he's just, I'm not getting this. I don't want to get this. I hate throwing up. But you sort of realize, like, I'm going to get this. Did and Chad I might as make well just, it? No. Oh. No. You, it was unstoppable. Oh. No one no one missed it. Everybody got it. And there were, like, a few people at the end were like, oh, look at you, Marcy or whatever. Aren't you lucky? You didn't get it. And then the next day, Marcy's not coming in. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I think, like, you'd go to serve the breakfast buffet. And there's usually, you know, six or seven of you. And some days there were, like, three of us. You know, you're just these are the only people who are alive right now. And also you're serving the food. Yeah, just serving buffet, you know, uh, prunes and 
omelets and carriers. Oh, carriers. God. It's just, I mean, it must have spread and spread and spread and spread and spread and spread. <laughs> Pouring coffee for everybody. And, just, and every day, just like hundreds of people are running through there, eating breakfast to go into the park. And then, I mean, it must have just spread around. The park oh. had a uh, mudslide. I'm sure they did. <laughs> oh. It's a seven-hour school bus ride in the park, too, without bathrooms on board. So I don't even want to think about that. So what was the penultimate moment? What was the <sighs> ultimate moment for you? Well, I was laying in my bottom bunk one day. Like, I worked from 4 to 11, and I kind of wasn't feeling awesome. And I was like, I'm going to go lay down. And I kind of I took a nap, and I was sleeping. And I woke up. And and when you have this, it is an emergency. I mean, I cannot words cannot express how much of an emergency Instant. it is. An immediate evacuation. An immediate like you've got from the time if you're sleeping, from the time you wake up, you've got like eleven seconds maybe before it's coming. <laughs> and uh yeah, it, it's just and that's it. And, and it happened. And it happened. And it's it's often and it what, happened in your pants. It happened. Yeah, it did <laughs> a little bit. I made it like I made it the first couple times, and it was really a lot. But then, like at some point, you wake up, you're like, oh god, and then it's just oh well, it just happened yeah. now, right in the pants. I heard that's not the worst part. I heard that you can also vomit at the same time. Yeah, we call that the double endo. Oh god. Where I mean you really and Jeez. actually this recent bout I just had, I never uh, had the double endo, but I thought I was going to and you really think about your life when you're sitting on the toilet with like a garbage can in your lap. Uh, <laughs> just like that's really a life moment of just Is this really worth going on? You know, should I just What am I really What am I really accomplishing? What am I going to accomplish in I my mean, life? That makes it worth this. I've had a good run, you know? Like, I've done a lot of stuff. I don't I don't have a lot of stuff left on the list, really, you know? Maybe I'll just not ride this out. Um, yeah, the double endo. Uh, Pat talked about when he had it here about how his he was happy that the tub was right next to his because uh, he could just lean over. And, yeah. God. But, again, in Denali, like, it's just – so, yeah, sometimes you have the double – and sometimes you wake up and you're not sure, like, which end it's going to come out of. And you just walk. And again, like there's just this kind of open space between the bathrooms. And there's some of these kind of dirt paths that they kind of have to walk between. But just kind of everywhere, people are just throwing up. Uh, follow, follow, I mean, follow, 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 follow you know, the and, multicolored road. Thankfully, it would kind of rain and that would take care of that. But it's like, what are you going to do? People are just puking in the grass everywhere. It's not like you can no. do anything about that. The grass um, did well that year. Yeah, super healthy. They've got a lot, a lot of marmots and things came in and just. Oh nim, nim, god! Nim. <laughs> Not really, actually. I don't think that's true. A lot of mink and martin all of a sudden just population booming. Scavengers. The old vomit but, mink. <laughs> but the, I mean, to me, the worst. All right. the, the the thing that I will always remember. One of those things that when you think about what are one of some of the last images when you're 97 years old. Um, so I had a little, you know, nothing like massive in the pants. I was wearing pajama pants by this point. And I, had a little, and I was like, well, these are not too much that I can't wash it out. Oh, poor I'm Scooby. I'm not keeping these. Yeah, pretty much. So I was like, it's time to take Scooby and throw them out. So I bagged it up and I went and we had kind of a shared dumpster, like, you know, the sort of dumpster that you see everywhere. Um, and I opened it up and there was a pile, a mound. A heap. A heap of pants. <laughs> Just a heap. I mean, and... Pants of all shapes and sizes. 2.5 you know, cubic yards. Cargo shorts pants. and like pink Hello Kitty pants and jeans and Carhartts and sweatpants and underwear. And 
And I can't like it's more than a pile, like a heap or a mound, like a a goodly amount. Probably that, probably one per person at least. Just that everyone in the camp had yeah. come to the independent conclusion yeah. that they <laughs> needed to just throw out <laughs> their pants. Yeah. What if someone only brought one pair? <laughs> well, well, that's. Yeah. Then you're out of luck. Yeah. Then they have to go get Denali National Park pajama pants. <laughs> $90. Which I actually think maybe I did. I think at one point I just went and got like the tourism, you know, whatever sure. pants because it's like I need I'm just I need something to wear in case this happens again and I don't care about. Yeah. With your name on them? No. They don't sell the name the pants? No. no. Jamie. Thankfully not. Nor, but nor they only have like, J-A-Y-M. Nor were there any of those pants where it's like e. stuff written on the butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's DNA pink. on them. No, yeah. pink. Oh, God. Yeah. Plurk. So. Just doesn't spell pink anymore. Brown. So just awful. I mean, and it's it comes on quick. It doesn't last a long time. I mean, it has, it's like yeah. after 48 hours or so. I mean, it varies a little bit, but. I can't remember horrific. when I was last that ill, but, it, you know, we have all been there. Yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. You were there. Weren't you at a cabin? I was in Arizona. Oh yeah, on vacation, just getting out of wet Juno, going to the somewhere with an opposite climate, Bizarro Town, somewhere dry and warm and pleasant. And then uh, you think some Mexican restaurants, you just sometimes just choose the most hole in the wall one, but there's a threshold. There's Ones that are authentic and have make good food, and then there's ones that are just dirty, dirty. <laughs> and I should have known. Just like well, like any restaurant is like that. Yeah, any restaurant. Any yeah. restaurant's like yeah. that. But you're in Arizona. But I was those, I, what I was there. doing was avoiding um, the high end, the high end or franchises. Chains. Right. Yeah, I just trying to find like was genuine for something local. Unique. Yeah, yeah totally. authentic. Yeah. yeah, I found a small yeah. restaurant and went there. But the the warning bell should have gone off when. I went to the bathroom, and the bathroom was just right next to the kitchen, like right next to it. The good thing about the bathroom is that the uh, the controls for the water were run by your feet, so you Whoa. didn't have to touch a handle. Nice. But I anyway, I went there, before. and I can't remember what I ordered, but I do remember suddenly not being hungry halfway through. And I thought, this is weird. This never happens with Mexican food. I just... Bring out the hog trough and eat the whole thing, usually. And then we and went then, back to camp. Then. <laughs> and then. Oh, camp. We were camping because we were on, a, like, a hiking trip. And uh, this is just south of Tucson. You go over the, the mountains south of Tucson. There's a place nearby called Old Tucson or something, some old movie set. But just down the road is the camp, and uh, I suddenly didn't feel good. And I walked away from my tent, and I'm walking just in the desert behind the sagebrush or whatever the hell it's called, and I feel like I'm going to vomit. So I dug a hole to be good man. Nice. Yeah. I had I had an, enough prep time, and there it went. And suddenly, I see these eyes. It was kind of dark out, and I had a headlamp. And these eyes started circling me. And I realized it was the uh, coyotes coming in oh. to uh, 
yes. Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I was walking back, I I could see it, it was still light enough that you could see a little bit. And I saw the outline of this. I heard this rumbling. And I looked and it was this World War II bomber, which was the strangest thing to see after you vomit in the desert. Maybe it wasn't really there. Maybe. Hallucinations. So I, I went back to the tent and went to sleep as best as I could. And I woke up suddenly. And I went into the bathroom, which is a prison-like building with uh, cinder blocks. So they had a bathroom too? Yeah, they did. Oh, but you had you had gone off the other way because you were like, well, this is gross. I'm just going to go. Wow, it was just yeah. kind of sudden. Oh, I see. The, the, the Bathroom was a little far. Oh, or you right. thought maybe I'm going to die, and you just walked into the <laughs> desert like, I, a, like a wild animal I'm just going to dig a hole, and depending on how bad <laughs> yeah. I feel, I'll make it bigger. <laughs> I'm just going to leave the pack in case this is it. Just dig my yeah. own grave. Yeah. And just, you know, those thoughts like you had when you were holding the, oh, yeah. the garbage can. No, trust me. I'm quite familiar with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm in the bathroom, and I'm in there for a long time. And it's about 3 in the morning, and I hear this kid, Mom, Mom, I need to go to the bathroom. And I thought, oh, no, because I, I, I was owning this bathroom, and it was uh, <laughs> terrible to behold. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> the, the paint was coming off. <laughs> but, I mean, it would gag a maggot. And I thought, kid, if you want to have a normal life for the rest of your life, you will not enter upon my terrible kingdom. <laughs> You're too young for this, kid. I am on my throne. And nobody's allowed into my lands. <laughs> but luckily, he was young enough that his mom just took him to the women's bathroom. Oh, good. Oof. And, uh... Dodged a bullet there, huh? Yeah, it was food poisoning. Food poisoning. Yeah. <sighs> also bad. The best. That's it for Bridge from Nowhere for this week. I want to thank... Jamie and Lou, and also Steve Nelson and George Kuhar, who are our house band, Coolson. Also want to thank Pat Race and Aaron Suring of Alaska Robotics, Jeff Brown, Scott Burton, and Shelly Delaney of KTOO. For more information on this podcast, check out bridgefromnowhere.com or our Facebook page. You can also get us on Stitcher, and iTunes, and on the KTOO podcast site. We're everywhere, man. Thanks to my sister for leaving her album collection when she went off to college. It was very formative. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week. We've burned another bridge. It's a happy springtime day. After the murder. After the murder happened. <laughs> and suddenly. Oh, then, then suddenly. <laughs> you can edit that out, right? No, yeah, right. <laughs>